Well, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, my name is Matt Bell, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and just want to say welcome to anybody who might be new. We're really glad to have you here with us today. And if you're not new, we're glad to have you here too. So uh, I just want to say Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Uh, we made it. You made it. Give yourselves a big hand. You made it to 2020. Now, I thought by now we'd have flying cars. And I, I'll be honest, I'm just happy when my car starts in the morning at this point. I'm, you can keep your flying cars. I'm just happy when my car gets going, you know, gets me from point A to point B. Uh, but, you know, I, I, like many of you, probably spent uh, the, a little bit of time this last week reflecting over uh, the past year, 2019. Um, please excuse my voice this morning. Uh, the devil and cedar pollen are doing everything that they can to, to try and keep me down, but I've got God on my side, amen. So anyway, um, rebuke the devil and rebuke cedar pollen in Jesus' name. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, how many of you spent some time over the last uh, week or so reflecting on the last year? And and I, I did that. In fact, I, I spent quite a, a little bit of time not just reflecting on the last year, but, you know, we're, we're into a new decade, 2020s. And, and so I spent some time this week reflecting on the decade of the 2010s and, and all of the things that happened in my life and in the life of our church. And I began to write down just some of the, the major events that, that transpired in in the life of our church and, and, in, and in my life. And when I, when I finished the list, I had 21 life-changing major milestone events that happened uh, in my life over the last decade that many of them I, I didn't anticipate. Many uh, were incredible events. All four of my children were born uh, in the 2010s. I became a daddy in the 2010s. I turned 30 and, and, and got some gray hair in the, the 2010s and uh, lots of really wonderful moments. As a church, we became debt-free. We, we paid off all our church debt in the 2010s. We give God glory for that. And also had some, some difficult times, you know, said goodbye to both of my parents as they went home to be with the Lord. And Became an orphan in uh, 2010s, you know, and uh, really stepped into uh, becoming a pastor in, in 2010 and uh, the 2010s. Lots of, of big moments, and, and that just got me thinking about the, the next 10 years and, and, and what is going to be happening in, in my life and the life of, of our church. And, you know, we don't know what the future holds. We, we, we simply don't. But God knows. God knows what the future holds for us. And certainly in, in the 2020s, there will be some very awesome moments, some, some mountaintop moments, some going from glory to glory with God in, in the 2020s. I believe that with all my heart. But I also know that in this life, there's going to be some difficult seasons, some, some valley seasons uh, in, in the 2020s. And, and so as I begin to, to reflect on that and to think uh, forward towards uh, the future, I, I, what, what began to well up in, in my heart is, is for us a, a hope 
for us as a church and a, and a hope for you and for your family. And it, it uh, is encapsulated in this verse from the book of 3 John. And he writes in 3 John 1, 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's what I hope for you. As we go into 2020, that you would prosper, that God would prosper you, body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Amen. I believe that God is a God that does prosper us, and, and it's, it's, it's good for us to, to believe for and, and anticipate that God would, would prosper us and would take care of us and would provide for us and that we would grow. And, and really the word that, that came to me was the word flourish. Can you say flourish? Flourish. I love that word. I, I, hope, I hope for you and my hope for me is, is that in the 2020s that we would be flourishing people. Flourishing, growing, multiplying, producing, prospering people. That, that we would be a healthy people. Body, soul, and spirit. I, I think it's good to believe God for that. No matter what comes our way, that with God on our side, that we are victorious. Amen. And so from, from the book, from, the, from Psalm chapter 92, I, I have four keys for you on how to live a flourishing life in your 2020s. How to flourish in 2020, in the, in the next year and in the next decade that comes Four keys to helping you flourish. Amen? As I looked over my notes again this morning, I realized that I actually had four sermons here in these four keys. I'm like, I should split this up into four weeks, but we don't have time for that. Who's got time for that? So you're getting four, four weeks worth here today. Amen? Condensed into one week's worth, all right? So four keys, four points to helping you flourish in 2020. Psalm ver, uh, chapter 92. He writes, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute, and the harp, how many of you know what a lute is? It's like a flute, right? Or like a recorder. Or, and you know what a harp is. Like when I think of a lute and a harp, I just think of hippies. I don't know why. <laughs> I just see like people out in the fields in the 70s and the 60s, just flower children with their lutes and their harps. Praising God. What he's saying is that we should add to our worship and our singing of praises, we should add music. That we should use music to worship God. That's why we have music this morning when we worship God. Verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The ignorant or the unlearned man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. 
that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall fall and perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil, of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. And they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts in the next few moments. Lord, what a joy it is to be in your house today. Lord, of all the places that we could, have, could be today, all the, the different paths that our life could have taken, Lord, you have preserved us. You have taken care of us. You have, have held us, Lord, in the palm of your hand. And you have brought us to this place to meet with you, to be with you today, to begin our new year in your house Lord, worshiping you, experiencing your presence, and hearing your word. Speak to our hearts today. Lord, help us to live as you would have us to live in this coming year and in this coming decade, that you would be glorified in us, your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one key to flourishing in 2020 is to begin and end every day by praising God. Begin and end every day by praising God. The psalmist here writes, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. What, what the psalmist is saying is it's not enough just to have good feelings towards God, that we as God's people should, should speak forth, should sing forth, should, should give expression to our praise with our mouth, with our mouth. In Psalm 34, David writes, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So I want to ask you, if, as you look over 2019 or as you look over the last decade, what has been in your mouth? What kind of words have been coming out of your mouth? Are they words that give praise to God? Or are they words that you wouldn't want anybody here to know about? Are they words that build up and edify and encourage and, and strengthen others? Or would they have to, like if someone walked into your house, does it, is it an R rating on the door to get in? Because when you get into your house, the, the words that fly around, it ought not be that way for God's people. It is good to give praise to God. It is good to sing to God, to declare his love in the morning. 
So begin each day by saying, God, I praise you today. I thank you for your love for me today. And then no matter what comes that day, whether it's good or bad or ugly, that in the evening you declare that God is faithful and has been faithful to you. So declare and, and praise God for his love in the morning and declare his faithfulness and thank him for his faithfulness to you in the evening. How many of you would say that God has been faithful to you in your life? Amen. That is our testimony. God is faithful. What this is saying is that to flourish, to prosper, that we must declare the goodness of God. That we must be people that, that put expression to our heart towards God. So, so I would encourage you to do that. If, if you want to flourish, as he talks about, as a palm tree, you know, that sounds cool. I, palm trees are nice. How many of you like palm trees? Palm trees are great. Did you know that palm trees are evergreen? Did you know that? They're always green. They're always producing. And then he also mentioned the cedars of Lebanon. I don't know why he threw cedar pollen, cedar in there. I'm not a big fan of cedar. But cedar, uh, the, the cedars of Lebanon, did you know that they live, they can live to be over 2,000 years old? Isn't that amazing? There's cedars today, even the cedars in Lebanon today that are over 2,000 years old. That speaks of longevity. That, that speaks of of a strength and a stability and a, and a power. If you want to flourish, begin and end each day by praising God. Begin and end each day by giving praise and thanks to God. Number two, if you want to flourish in 2020, we see this in verse five, but spend time every day meditating on God. Verse 5, he, he begins to meditate on, on God. He says, how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. He begins to, to meditate on the things of God, and he begins to marvel at God's work. Do you spend time every day meditating on God, marveling at God's works? You know, in verse 4, he talks about how he gives praise to God for, for creating him. That's a, something that we could do every day because the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has, has knit us together, has put us together in a, in, a, in a unique way, in a beautiful way that we can look at that and say, God, thank you for my life today. Thank you for another day of breath. Thank you that I woke up again today, an, an, a new day to, to live and to meditate on God, and to meditate on his purpose. So meditation, sometimes we have the wrong idea of meditation. You know, when, as a kid, when I would think of someone meditating, I would think of the monkey from Lion King out there, you know, with his legs crossed and doing that kind of yoga thing and humming and all of that. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about meditation. Not medication. I need some right now. <laughs> meditation. That's not what the Bible's talking about. That's not the Bible's idea of meditation. 
So you don't have to, you know, strip down and put a robe on and go sit in the backyard and cross your legs and, and take some weirdo pose. That's not meditation according to the Bible. Eastern meditation, which we have the idea of, teaches people to empty themselves, to empty all of your thoughts and, and, and to, to, to kind of clear your mind and, and to just work to, to empty yourself. That's not the Bible's idea of meditation. The Bible's idea of meditation is to put the right stuff into you. You see, when you empty yourself, you're just inviting demonic activity into your life, honestly. You're, you're, you're opening up a space for nasty spirits to come in and dwell. Instead, the, the Bible's idea of meditation is to put the right stuff in and then continually remind yourself of that. I've used this example before, but the idea is the same idea of a cow chewing the cud. A cow we know has four stomachs, which is, I don't know what you do when you have a stomach ache, if it's four times as worse or anyway. But a cow eats the grass and it chews on it for a while and it swallows it. And it goes into one stomach and it's digested a little bit. And then it brings it back up and it chews on it some more to get some more nutrients out of it. Nutrients, like uh, Nacho Libre would say. And then he swallows it again and it goes down, is digested in stomach number two and then he brings it back up. And this is the biblical idea of meditation. That in the morning we, we, we would get a little nugget, spend a little time in, in God's word, spend some time praising him and to begin to think about God's nature, his character, his name, his power, his purpose, his plan, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his riches, his, his love, all, all of the wonderful aspects of God. And to put some little nugget, let some little nugget get into your soul and then throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, to continually go back to that place and to chew on it until you get every last ounce of goodness from that little nugget of God and his character. That's what it means to meditate. So how, what does this look like practically? It, it's really easy. You just open up God's word anywhere. You could go to the Psalms. You could go to Genesis. You, you, can, you can do the Bible roulette thing if you want. But let, let me just show you. You could go to Psalm 8, for example. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Verse 3, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the sun, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? And you could just spend your whole day thinking about, God, you've created the world, the, the majesty of creation, yet you care about me. Yet you're, you're mindful of me. I am in your thoughts today. Well, how, how, how is that? How can that be, Lord, that, that even though you have all of creation to take care of, that you set your, your mind and, and your thoughts on me today? God, that's just so, it's, it's beyond what I can even think. Thank you for that. And then you go about your day and 
when you get into traffic, instead of cursing people out and these stupid idiots from California coming here and, and ruining our, you know, giving off all this traffic. And if you're from California, God bless you. I'm so, I'm so glad that you're here today. I mean, how many, of you have, how many of you have heard people say that? I've heard it. All these people from California coming in here and ruining our state, blah, blah, blah. Look, instead of getting in, into the, living in the fleshly realm, to go back to that place and say, I'm just going to marvel at God's goodness today. I'm going to marvel at God's creation. I'm going to think on the things of, of God and the things of the Spirit and and, and his plan and his purpose today to not get sucked into just living a life down below in the carnal region, thinking on God's thoughts and his ways and his plans. And let me tell you something. Did you know that this will make you a smarter person if you do this? You know, you look at me like you don't believe me. <laughs> Psalm 19, verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7 says this. The law of the Lord, God's word, is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Look, if you meditate on God's word, it will make you smarter. You might say, well, I'm, I'm not that smart. I only got to, you know, if I take an IQ test, they got to rate it in the negative numbers, you know. You know what you need to do? You need to meditate on God's word. This is a guarantee. Those who meditate on God's word, if you're just a simple-minded person, it will impart to you divine wisdom. I'm not talking about book knowledge. I'm not talking about just the ability to remember facts and figures. I'm talking about... Someone who has the answer to life's problems. Wisdom from God. Someone who can counsel others in, in the ways of God, in the, in the paths of righteousness. Because we live in a world that is dark. I don't know if you've noticed this. We live in a world that is confused. We live in a world where, where people are, are being lied to constantly by everyone. And, and you are God's agent. And you are to be filled with God's wisdom. And so in this dark world, that there's a place where people can go to for answers. And you can say, you know what, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but let me share with you a little bit of what God's word says. And all of a sudden, you can impart to someone wisdom. Not just knowledge, not just facts and figures, but God's eternal uh, uh, life in his word, that you can be someone who shares that. If you meditate on God's word, it will make you a lot smarter than you are. Uh, it will make you smarter than, for sure, People Magazine or I don't even know, the tabloids or I, what, what, I don't know what people read, the newspaper, whatever. All of the stuff that we put into our lives, if we meditate on God and his ways and his word, it will transform your 2020 if you spend time every day meditating on God. Number three, realize that you have God's spirit and God's power 
on the inside. Psalm 92.10, but you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. Now in David's time or the psalmist's time, uh, the horn was a symbol of power. It was a symbol of strength. It was a symbol of authority. And what David is saying is that even though my enemies have come against me, that God, you have raised me up victorious. In verse 11, he says, my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. How many of you would like to know that no matter who comes against you, that you're always going to be on top? Listen, when God's on your side, it doesn't matter who's against you. Listen, you plus God equals victory. Amen. And, and God it will exalt you if you are one of his people, if you are the righteous man that he is here talking about. So while the wicked are going to be cut off, the righteous are going to be prospered. And the idea is that God will exalt a righteous man, that God will give the righteous man and woman victory over every enemy. And he says here that you have anointed me with fresh oil. You've anointed me with fresh oil. Now, oil in the, the Old Testament, as we're reading here, was used to uh, set someone apart for special service. And so, you know who was anointed with oil? Kings, priests, and prophets. Prophets, priests, and kings. These are the people that were anointed with oil, and it, it would, they would be anointed as they were entering into a special season of service. This was to symbolize that they were being set apart by God for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. Now, this oil, this anointing in the Old Testament, it foreshadows the anointing we have as God's people today in the Holy Spirit. This is what this is talking about. Fresh oil is talking about a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit. For 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 and 22, Paul writes, God has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Listen, you need to realize that you have been anointed by God, that every day there is a fresh anointing, a fresh impartation of God's Spirit available to you. God's Spirit, God's power alive on the inside of you. And, and you need to know that Anytime anyone was anointed, it was for a reason. No one was ever anointed for no reason. It was always for a purpose. So a, a, a person would be anointed as king, and they would take the oil and, and dump it on them. A, poor, a person, as they were entering into priestly ministry, they would be anointed. We see where certain prophets of God had oil poured upon them. And now we as God's people have had the Holy Spirit poured out into our lives for a purpose, for a reason, for a, a, a task to 
accomplish. And so Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to, to preach good news to the poor, to take God's word to those who don't have God's word, to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, we live in a world today where so many people are in bondage, in bondage to sin, in bondage to drugs, in bondage to alcohol, in bondage to the words that, that people have spoken over them in the past, in bondage to the lust of the flesh. So many people in bondage, and God has anointed you to go and to proclaim to them that they can have freedom from their bondage in Christ Jesus. And God has put his power in his spirit inside of you so that you can lead other people out of bondage and into freedom. This is why God has put his spirit within you. So step three, realize that. Understand that. Have that idea in your mind. I'm not just going through life for no reason. I'm not just going to work today for no reason. No, God has put his spirit on the inside of me. He's anointed me today. I'm going to go and share God's word. I'm going to go shine for Jesus. I'm going to go and I'm going to lead people out of captivity today. Wherever I am, I'm an agent. I'm a child of God, a child of the Most High. I have the King of Kings alive on the inside of me. Amen. I'm not just wandering through life. Oh, the traffic. Oh, my wife, my kids, my boss, my family. Oh, I hate my life. I just want to go home, sit on the couch, watch the Spurs. Listen, there's more to life. You have a purpose that will impact people's eternity. But you got to get it. Hello? You got to have the light bulb go off. You got to realize that you've got God's spirit and power alive on the inside. So we spend every day, number one, we start each day praising God, end each day thanking him for his faithfulness. Number two, we spend time each day meditating on God, his word, his ways, his plan, his purpose. Number three, I realize that I have God's spirit and power alive on the inside of me and he has anointed me for a reason, for a purpose, to accomplish something for him and for his kingdom each and every single day. And the things that I do for his kingdom, they matter for today and they matter for all eternity. Amen. And number four, I've got to stay planted in God's house. Psalm 92, 12 and 13. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish where? In the courts of our God. Listen, if you want to flourish in 2020 and beyond, you got to be planted in God's house, period. 
You will not grow in your faith, your walk with the Lord. You will not step into the destiny that God has for you unless you are planted in God's house, unless you are actively involved as a member of the church, God's body. You cannot prosper as a Christian separated from the body, period. If you want to prosper, if you want to flourish, if you want to grow, if you want to produce good fruit that lasts for all eternity, you have to put your roots down deep in God's house. And so what does this look like? It will, number one, it looks like making church attendance a high priority in your life. A high priority. Well, how high? Top of the list. No matter what I do this week, I'm going to be in God's house, period, done, settled. And let me just talk to the men for a little bit. Husbands, it's your job to get your family to church. All the wives say amen. No, I'm saying you did say, but I didn't hear any amens from the men. Your husbands, your wives should not have to drag you out of bed on Sunday morning. If that's happening, you are being a bad husband. You are being a bad father. You are not modeling to them godly servant leadership. So husbands, take the lead in setting the spiritual tone in your house. You want to see flourishing happen in your house? Husbands, take the lead and say, we're going to be in God's house today. No matter what, we're going to be in God's house. No matter what happened this past week or what we've got coming up, God's house is a priority for our family. This is how the people of God flourish. Is that not what it says? Let's see. Let's go back here. The righteous flourish. Why? They are planted in the house of the Lord. Flip over real quickly with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. I just, I want to really nail this down for you. Ephesians chapter 1, if you have it in your Bible, Um, I don't have it on the screen today, so if you don't have it, you're just going to have to trust me. This is, Paul here is talking about Jesus and when God raised him from the dead in victory. And in verse 21, it says that he's seated now in heavenly places, Jesus Christ, above all rule and all authority and all power and all dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Verse 22, and he, the Father, put all things under his feet, that is Jesus, and gave him, that's Jesus, as head over all things to The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And so the progression here that Paul is talking about, he says, God took Jesus and he raised him from the dead. Not only did he raise him from the dead, but Jesus has now ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and into uh, Jesus' authority, God has placed everything. So now Jesus rules and reigns over all creation, over every government, over every company, over every human being, Jesus Christ is Lord, period, period. Even if people don't acknowledge his lordship, Jesus Christ is still Lord. 
And so even your wicked, evil, pagan boss that doesn't acknowledge and serve the Lord, you know who's his Lord still? Jesus Christ is over him. Jesus is above all. All power, all authority, all dominion. Jesus Christ is head over it. Period. Now, look at this. What does he now do with that? The Father now has given Jesus as head over all things to the church. That Jesus as head over all things has been given to us as a gift from the Father. That means that we as God's people, when we are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we also have dominion in our lives that we have authority, that we have power. But verse 23, he goes on to say, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so what this is saying is if you want to experience the fullness of the, the authority of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, the blessing of Jesus Christ, if you want to experience the fullness of what God has for you, you can't do it separated from his church because he has given to the church, Jesus Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so to experience the fullness of what God has for me, I have to be planted in his house. And I talked a little bit about making church attendance a priority, but it goes so much further beyond that. It involves serving. It involves getting into a community group. It involves coming men tomorrow night to eat fajitas and to fellowship and to hear God's word. It involves ladies getting involved in the ladies' fellowship. It involves uh, coming to KBI and to studying God's word. It involves taking advantage of every opportunity that we have to fellowship with other believers. It involves giving of our time to others, giving of our talents as we serve others, giving of our offerings to the Lord financially. If you want to prosper and you want to flourish in 2020, you have to stay planted in God's house. You have to make God's house a priority in your life. So the four ways that we plant or that we flourish in 2020 and beyond number one that we spend and end each day begin and end each day by praising God we spend time every day by meditating on God and his word number three we have to realize have this understanding of the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit that's alive on the inside of us and number four that we stay planted in God's house And if you will do those four things, I guarantee you, you will flourish in 2020. I guarantee you that no matter what comes your way, at the end of the day, you will stand victorious. The good times, the bad times, the ugly times, the times that we wish we could forget, even in those times that God's people are like the palm tree evergreen, ever producing fruit that we always are growing and flourishing for God and for his kingdom.